Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the third episode from Castle Rock titled Local Color. Local Color. So many hidden meanings in this title this week, I think. Or at least a couple. (laughs) Oh, I'm interested to hear what you think. (laughs) I know. I'm super excited. But before we jump into our top five, let's get a quick word from our sponsor this week. So are you on a health and fitness journey? Why not get paid for it? 10 women are needed who want to get paid to share their health and fitness journey on social media. You do not need to be in great shape. You just need a passion for helping others. No experience necessary. Trainings are included. You do need to be a hard worker and self-motivated. Email insideout.fitlife1 at gmail.com for more information. Yeah, and I know we've been hitting on this pretty hard because and it, you, this should be more of like a January type thing. It's like, you know, you're getting out of the holidays. <laughs> you got that extra, you know, few pounds. You're like, oh, I got to get ready for that beach bod. I'm the opposite. Like, I want to get that snowsuit bod. You know, like you're there and like everybody's like, mm, I can't tell if he works out or not because he's wearing a snowsuit. But I, uh, I've i been hitting on this pretty hard. And I'm sure everybody's like, we get it, Sean. You want to be a beast. And I do want to be a beast, a nice cuddly beast. And so uh, I have been doing one of these uh, programs for the last about two and a half weeks now, and uh, I'm kind of in that third week of uh, moving forward with this, and I'm feeling a little bit stronger. I'm going up in weights. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm down a few pounds, uh, and you know, I, again, I'm I, the reason I really want to share this. I've been trying to get you know mention this to people at work and everything is because I was a person that whenever like. You talk about videos and things like that online. They really kind of gave me like the the snake oil salesman. And the one I'm working on, it's not the be all end all for sure. Like you know, to be in shape takes a lot, a lot of stuff. But um, if you're interested, check it out. It's pretty cheap. There's a lot of different options. And insideout.fitlife1 at gmail.com. Email that and get some more information and kind of start your fitness journey. Sweet. Thanks for sharing. Okay, so let's jump into our top five this week on Castle Rock. I'm going to jump in with mine because I got to get this out right off the top because it freaks me out every time. And my number five is creepy kids. Oh, yeah. There's a few (laughs) of them in this, wasn't there? (laughs) Why always the creepy kids? I mean, really, this, this whole mock trial and stuff that they have, these weird rules, you know, this courtroom, you know, that they're, that they're governing over and, um, you know, they, this like kid, teenage judge, whatever, and, and has these weird rules for these kids and stuff, just super creepy. And then super creepy how they all like turn on Molly and yelling guilty at her. I mean, I'm sorry. If you did not get some serious children of the corn vibes yeah. from this whole scene, then I don't know what to do with you. Um, and, and, and very similar to like children of the corn, all the parents were gone. A little bit different mm-hmm. circumstances. They said moms are out drunk. Dads are in Shawshank. <laughs> Molly's yeah. like all of them. <laughs> it's like, Oh, well I get what this town's about now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I don't know. I just had to get that out of the way. I just, nothing gets me more. And you know, if you've listened to uh, some of our past um, podcasts, anytime we, this comes up, creepy kids just freak me out. It just, 
gives me just creepy vibes and I usually have nightmares. Um, so I, I just have to get that out of the way. What did you think about that whole scene, Sean? Uh, this actually is my number five as well. I just titled Sweet. it Derek. Um, but yeah, you have the creepy little kid. So this, I had a little bit more of a poltergeist when she sees the first kid in the yard and instantly um. I'm like, okay, why is this kid playing in the yard by herself at night with like, it looked like Christmas lights or something. Yeah, I thought it kind of looked like a little bit like a a, a torn up um, electrical cord or something. Yeah. yeah. And you can kind of tell like either Molly doesn't have any like parenting instincts or she just, like, <laughs> this town doesn't care because she's just like, hey, where's Derek? I need my fix. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll keep playing with that wire. Hope it's not, you know, hot. Bye. Um, totally. I thought I had, you know, when they're sitting there doing this thing, like I thought maybe they're doing kind of like an animal farm reenactment. Um. I've only I've like caught bits and pieces of the book Animal Farm and I thought there was a trial at some point because they're all wearing like animal masks uh-huh. and it kind of had that vibe and like she was the human there that they said was guilty. I may be wrong, that may be a stretch, but I kind of for some reason thought that that was it kind of gave me like an Animal Farm vibe. Interesting. I thought that just added to the creepy factor for me. I I don't know I I don't know what Animal Farm is. I'm sorry to say, but um oh, maybe it's, I- uh it's I, I believe it's a take on is it a take on socialism, maybe. Okay. Um, but the idea is like these animals become cognitive and they start taking over and they're like, Oh, well the farmers are the ones holding us down and so they, they kind of uh take over and then oh. soon it's like I think it's the the pigs maybe. One of the animals is like, Well, we're smarter than you, so we should actually get more and make more decisions. You know, but but it starts out like, Oh, we should all be equal and it's like, Oh, well actually we're smarter, so we should get more. Oh, but you know, actually, these ones aren't, aren't very smart. You guys should do this work, even though you don't want to. You, you should because that's how we, we deem it. Um, Interesting. It, yeah, I think it was written in like the 60s or 70s. So, okay. Um, and I've caught bits and pieces of it. I think there was a movie. But I gotta, I got, that's the kind of vibe I got because I, I thought there was like a, a court scene in there with the animals. That's – well, those, those masks just definitely added to the creepy factor. I mean I would have been completely freaked out even if they had just been, you know, just plain face, you know, without any type of mask or anything on their face. But the fact that they were wearing all of these animal masks just really added to the creepy factor for me. I just – I don't dig that at all and it just really yeah. – I mean it was great. It was great to be spooked out because I do love to be scared. That is why I watch these types of shows and movies and things like that. But um, sometimes it, it takes me a little over the edge and the creepy kids and creepy – you know these weird masks uh, looked like homemade looked like a they had a project day okay everybody make your masks for the creepy courtroom scene that we're gonna, <laughs> we're yeah, gonna no do joke. you know um and then we're all gonna wear them in this uh courtroom thing so i don't know what that was all about why you know i i, I don't know that we're, we'll get that answer or if it really matters but it was just kind of weird you know why what what who is Derek what is he doing there where are are there all the parents really gone um or all the I guess all the moms drunk and dads are gone and you know it's just kind of weird of you know this whole scene and I don't know if we'll get any more of that insight into what was happening but I'm just like what the hell is going on that was just really strange but very creepy well and it's interesting that I, I wrote down like she just kind of walked into the house too like that little girl's like oh yeah Derek's inside mm-hmm and I was expecting to see like an adult, like that was his kid and he was making like a drug deal or something and she was going to walk in on like something bad, but she just wanders into this house and is like, Hey, I don't care what the hell you kids are doing. I need to find Derek cause I need my fix. I need my, I need my pills. Yeah. And, uh, 
it was weird too where like Derek is like, oh, just play along afterwards. It's like to the death house. Like they had a place called the death house. I and know. And like the oldest kid was probably what, like 14 or 15? At the uh, most. Yeah. Yeah. And that little, you mentioned that little girl, the, the first little girl that she saw just lying there in the middle of, of like these, you know, those little houses or cottages whatever they were and she's just out there in the dark by herself she looked like a little toddler like two or three years old and yeah she didn't you know, look very old i know it was so weird and then molly's like you know she looks down at her and, and like you said didn't she didn't seem to have very good child skills child relational skills or something and she's like where's Derek?" and that little girl just in a I, that little girl was creepy in her own little way just yeah. kind of slowly turns and points and i'm like wow you're kind of smart for that age i guess to know who you know to know exactly what she's talking about or whatever i don't know maybe it was just i don't know i was totally just caught up in the whole thing and like what the hell is going on here and i was just really taken aback i don't know if it shows like molly's kind of mentality or not because i'm the kind of person if i'm walking around and i see a like a dog just wandering by itself i try to go up to it and see like well does this dog belong to anybody like look Mm -hmm. for a collar because I'd like some, if like if my dog gets out, I'd like them, somebody to do that for me. Yeah. If I see a toddler wandering around <laughs> on their own, like I'm running up to that kid and be like, "Oh my gosh! Like, why are you wandering the streets? You're two years old." Yeah, playing here in the dark, all alone, can't seem to find any other not not even just other kids or just even people or adults around. So yeah, it's it's a little weird that she's just kind of like, you know what? I just, I really need my drugs. So good luck to yeah. you, kid. <laughs> well, and I, yeah, I don't know if that's like a, a drug mentality or if that's something that just because this is Castle Rock, that that's, you know, I, I won't go into too much spoilers, but like the new It, Dairy. Dairy kind of had that mindset where people mm-hmm. are just like, ah, uh, weird things happen and we just don't ask questions. Yeah, and they I just don't question it. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing here. I I, um, I think that it is. I mean, I think that's kind of what, at least that's the vibe that I'm getting. People, it's like weird things happen, but nobody really questions it. They don't question all the murder suicides and things that happen. It's just like, oh, it's just bad luck or something. They don't mm-hmm. really. And it's like, you know, in well, like you said, in, um, and I mean, we're going to be talking a lot of Stephen King here, folks. So uh, I'm sorry if we spoil you on things. But like you said, in, in It and in, in Dairy, it's like, you know, all these kids go missing in, in that period of time. And I won't give too much away, but you know, every, every so many years, it seems that people are, you know, kids are disappearing and just, they don't question it. It's just like, it's just a thing that happens and no one really, you know, they don't question it. They don't, they're not really concerned about it. And you see that a lot, especially in the new one. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of get that vibe here as well. So, I mean, this was my number five as well. So kind of touch on a little bit more. Do you think that these kids and Derek is going to play a bigger role in this uh, series? Or do you think this is just kind of a one-off like, hey, guess what? There's packs of these kids that just hang out and like have weird, you know, death houses and trials. And if you run into one, you're probably going to get arrested by the cops. I, I feel if they if they, if it goes something like that, it's going to be a little too children of the corn. But yeah. um, I, I'd be OK if this was a one off. Like maybe we don't ever get an explanation. This is just one of those weird, quirky things that we don't question because it's in Castle Rock. Maybe yeah. we'll get some type of an explanation, but I'd be OK if I don't. I mean, I, I'd. I kind of want to know a little bit about what the hell's happening. But again, I think that the story is bigger than this creepy little coven thing that they've got going on with these weird kids and Derek and whatever the hell he's doing with these kids. Um, so I'd be okay if it was just a one-off. And so whenever you think of Children of the Corn, do you have a tough time not doing the Outlander scene? Because I do. Like, I want to do it right now where he's like, Outlander! 
We have your woman, <laughs> Outlander. Maybe you don't hear so good. No, I no, I no. Okay, I, I had can't. to get it out of my system. I've you've mentioned yep. Chill of the Corn like three times. So I, I know. Like, I had to get it out. I know. I understand, but now I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. Uh, no, um, nope. Those kids. That's just wrong. I'm sorry. It's just wrong. I I can't. There's, I have enough cornfields around me here. If I was completely surrounded uh, by them in that movie, I would, I'd move ASAP, get the hell oh, out. Yeah. It's just not well, safe, people. It's only happened once with me, but I know like kids can, like your own kids can be creepy. Um, we've got our kids set up so he can't really get out of his room at night just because we don't want him wandering the house. <laughs> so you got him leashed. Ha- <laughs> yeah. So we haven't had that like I wake up and he's at the edge of the bed because the other reason like I'd be scared I'd wake up and he'd be just staring at me with those beady eyes and I'd uh-huh. freak out and like punch him. Uh-huh. And you know, you, 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 there's no way you could be like, oh, I didn't mean to punch my kid. If you punch your kid, like it's never a good thing. No, it's not good so, when you when your kid scares you and then you run screaming from the room and knock him down <laughs> on on the way out. Um, well, as I've said, if if anyone who's been a longtime listener of us, then I have talked about it before that my kid was one of those creepy kids that when she was around between three and five years old, this happened almost every single night, not quite every night. It was enough. It happened often enough that it was disturbing, but there was never a a pattern. You couldn't really distinguish a pattern of when it was going to happen. So she would, you know, I was, I'm a night owl and I would be up late at night and I would, you know, after I'd put her to bed and usually almost always between like 10 and midnight or somewhere just really late, she would get up in the middle of the night. And when she was really little, she had really long hair and, and she would wake up in the middle of the night and I mean, this kid was quiet. She would sneak up on you. So whether sometimes I would be in bed already asleep, sometimes I'd be awake watching TV and she would just all of a sudden appear, not say a word and just kind of her head would be just slightly down and her hair was in her face. And oh, man. Um, it was very disturbing and, and frightening. I love my little girl. I really do. She's not so little anymore, but um, I was just, I was about ready to like throw some holy water at her or something. I don't know. It was not good. She used to do that to me quite often. And it was just because she had to get him to go to the bathroom. And, but she couldn't, it's like she was sleepwalking. You'd ask her, you know, baby, what's wrong? Do you need, are you okay? Do you have a bed? And she just, she wouldn't, and she wouldn't speak. That was another thing. It was just creepy. So after I got used to it, just lead her to the bathroom. I just quietly grab her, you know, lead her by the shoulders and take her into the restroom make sure she did her thing and then get her off to bed and then she was fine but um yeah it was creepy as fuck <laughs> <laughs> so anyway sorry folks boring you with my my story my kid um would be mortified probably if i told that if she knows telling that story <laughs> good thing she doesn't listen to me <clears throat> anyway but, but yeah your number five kind of tied into my number five so i like it what do you sync. have for your number four number four is the shining <gasps> I think yes, that I had that written down. Yeah, so I think that we can officially <gasps> say now that Molly Strand does have what we know as the shining. Um, she can feel what others feel, like literally, like Henry got burned, like burned himself, and she flinched and and could feel it. And that's not um, all she could feel. She, did that? Yep. <laughs> Yep, I wasn't <laughs> going <not>, to. <laughs> it's not a Stephen King uh, story if there's not some weird, like, teenage sexual stuff going on. It makes you slightly uncomfortable. It, yep, just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so, yes, feel other things as well. And she can hear thoughts. So, and she can, um, and she says that things happen when her and Henry are together. So, I'm like, well, like, what? I mean, is it, 
I don't know what exactly what she meant by that. I know that she she mentions that Henry is kind of like that song she can't get out of her head, that he's, you know, like the Bee Gees, which I like the Bee Gees, by the I way. I don't want anybody. That song probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But I just thought that that was really interesting. It's also a nice little Easter egg, kind of throw that in a little bit. Um, it, we don't hear it called that, of course, but, you know, uh, that's, of course, in our Stephen King universe, what we know, um, her affliction, as I think her sister called it. I don't know if they called it an affliction, but that's what I'm saying anyway, uh, what she seems to have um, this gift or curse, whatever you want to think of it as, um, is The Shining. So I don't have a whole lot to say about that other than we do know Shining or Shining On is the phrase used by Dick Halloran to describe his and five-year-old Danny Torrance's ability to read minds and mentally converse with others who read minds. So spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't either read or watched The Shining. But I thought it was worth worth mentioning um, because it it clearly plays a really big part in this whole story, and I think moving forward, um, it's going to play a really big part. Yeah. So this. Uh, so I think we're going to kind of touch on a lot of the, the same thing. So mm-hmm. this was my number two, and I kind of titled it Molly and Henry because you know they kind of have some extra connection. But yeah, I kind of was asking myself like, does she have the shining? So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, the time I kind of like figure that I think that's what it was, Mm -hmm. was when she was doing her speech in front of the mirror and she's like, I'm a fifth generation maniac. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of like, huh, like, is this a, is this a family thing? Um, Mm. Let's see. Just kind of going through uh, anything else that you didn't touch on that I need to for that. Um, So they feel things. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had too. Cool. Yeah, I like it. It's I feel like yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a big thing. It's worth mentioning and, and having um being listed in in our list of things. So I'm glad that you had that as well because definitely gonna I think we're gonna find out more. Like we got these flashbacks of her and Henry. You know, we get to see a little bit more of that. We got little tiny glimpses of it last week, but we definitely got a lot more of it this week. And I think that um, it's definitely going to play a part, a bit, a lot bigger part, and we're going to get probably more exposure um, to in, into her past there. So really, really good stuff. So what's your number four? All right. So my number four was just Molly's dream sequence. So Ooh. Molly was a really, really, and I'm not going to call her Amy this time. I'll call her Molly. I'll call her by her <laughs> real name. Uh, so Molly had a... a a really interesting dream sequence. We we found out that she was the one that killed Henry's dad. Um, well, I mean, at least she was the one that pulled the plug. Now, we know there's some kind of connection between her and Henry. So was it actually Henry, but it was kind of like going through her or, or yeah, what? Yeah, because she was wearing his hoodie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, oh, man, that's just kind of interesting. I think like they both kind of did it together, but they both didn't do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, or, or like... And I don't know that this is true. She could have just put the damn hoodie on because she has this huge crush on Henry, you know, yeah, and, and, you sure. know, it's totally like, I mean, I totally get that from like a girl perspective, like, oh, that's my crush's jacket or hoodie or something like that. And and you put it on because it makes you feel like closer to them. That's how we girls think as young teenagers, um, not as adults at all, just teenagers. You kids still do that. I don't know. Today? I don't know. I mean, like. My wife and I, like, she she gets weirded out by it. She's like, hey, you're not in high school anymore. Stop wearing my underwear. And I'm like, hey, babe, I just want to be closer to you. TMI, Sean. TMI. Keep it I don't home. wear my wife's underwear <laughs> no, it's, anymore. It's, I was like, it's, it's out there now. You can't take that back. It is out there in the world. Um, 
but so yeah, you see like a lot of um I, I kind of felt like there's a lot of purity in this mm-hmm. when she's in her dream sequence because there's kind of like the the pure white snow. Um she's going to the church, you know, where you kind of think of, you know, purity. Um there's a casket there, and we find out that I'm guessing that's supposed to be Henry's casket. And you get this really weird sequence where he's on the stage asking, like, why did you kill me? I asked God for forgiveness. And he, why, who are you to go against God's judgment or God's, you know, um, mm-hmm. what do you say? Like his yeah. will. Yeah, God's will. And, you know, it's basically, and he's like, there's a sinner in our house. And all the faces were pretty much covered in the, the wrapping. And so it was a really, really creepy vibe. Um, and like you talked about, like where you said that, you know, we, you think she has the shining and so kind of being able to see dead people. So like, was that a dream or was that an actual kind of live thing that she went through? Like she was actually interacting with these people beyond the grave. Exactly. Uh, I didn't know. I couldn't tell if it was like a dream or like a, a vision or a projection or exactly how we're supposed to. Because like the other thing there at the very end, when she sees Matthew Deaver again, Henry's dad, you know, in the end there, it's like, is she, are these things really happening and she's seeing them because she has the shining or are they dreams or a projection? You know, I'm I'm not sure about that yet. But yeah. Yeah. And I know we talked about this as like, well, how are they going to make this King universe work? And I feel like they're really tying in a lot of the themes really well. Like, like you said, you got the shining, you've got, you know, Shawshank prisons kind of, um, you know, conspiracy theory kind of uh, just not appropriate stuff going on. You've got supernatural stuff. You've got demons. You've got like, there's just so much that they're kind of touching on that. And it seems like it's all fitting together really, really well up to this point, which is a, you know, a huge kudos to the writers for this, because that's something, especially if you get a writer, like 10 groups of writers in there, like I could see it being a huge cluster, Uh but they are doing a really good job up to this point. I agree. I like all that. But yeah, my number four is just that Molly dream sequence. There was, there was some weird stuff happening for sure. Um, so that, that goes into a little bit into my number three. So I'll just kind of expand on that and be a little specific about something. It wasn't a dream sequence necessarily, but it was kind of weird. And that was the death of Deaver. So, a couple, just um, a couple things that I wanted to touch on about this whole thing. One was a question I had: Why was Henry's dad recovering at home? He's, I had the same question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this man, he's half frozen. So most likely, he has or had anyway hypothermia. He had a broken back. Why is this man? not in a hospital. So we see that he's on a ventilator that, that wasn't said, but you can, but we knew he had a broken back. So we know that this man is in some serious ill health because he's fallen from a cliff and he's frozen to death. Um, so my assumption was when he was found, this dude's in a hospital, but no, he's at home in a hospital bed on a vent. I'm sorry. We are in the nineties here. There's is modern medicine. Why is this man not in a hospital? No nurse either. I mean, at least a nurse should be there. Like some kind of like alerting system. Yeah. It's the (laughs) nineties. It's not the sixties where like I was halfway expecting, you know, those old ventilators where it would open up. It was like a accordion. Like it kind of felt like you were going to see that instead of like a modern, you know, machine air machine. Right. Um, I don't know. It was just something I wouldn't expect. I mean, I know that that some people, like if they are in 
or near the end, like in a, in a hospice type situation that they, you know, they would might be at home for, for that reason, but they seem to indicate, you know, that he was, he was found and he was going to be okay. And I thought he died of natural causes when they were, were, you know, talking when, you know, prior to this episode, you know, they, that he had died from his injuries and come to find out, um, it was not. So I was surprised that his death was revealed so soon and, and what really killed him. Cause you know, it was t- said that he had succumbed to his injuries, but we know that that is not true. Um, so questions, why do we think Molly killed Daddy Deaver? Did she sense something from him? Did he do something evil? Was he going to do something evil? Um, you know, was it something he was going to do to Henry? Uh, was she protecting him? I don't know. Because um, we did talk a little bit about, you know, at least in the sequence, she was wearing Henry's hoodie. So when you talked about or when you mentioned that, like, were they doing this together? Th- it kind of made me wonder, too, like she she was headed that way on her own. And that was really kind of creepy the way that she headed over there. She's in her nightgown. It looks really damn cold. They were talking um, in other episodes about how cold um, it was yeah. like it was. Um, what was it like? Eleven below or some crap whenever oh, yeah, um, it was something like uh, Alan Pangborn. Yeah, like when Alan Pangborn found uh, Henry and he's like, my God, it was, you know, it's 11 below. How are you? You don't have any frostbite. Were you inside? So it, it has to be pretty cold whenever they whenever they did find um, Matthew Deaver. So here she is. She's out there in her nightgown, um, no coat, no shoes, just barefoot. And she walks into the house, puts on um, Henry's um coat like i said it's it, something you can definitely relate to when you're a teenage girl and and maybe even if you're a little bit older there's nothing nicer than you know you you know your guys left his shirt around or his jacket and it smells like him um you know and you just kind of you cuddle with it you sleep with it when you miss them or something or you just kind of wrap it around you or something i don't know maybe i'm kind of weird sorry guys that's going in a weird place <laughs> but um so anyway and then side note why did henry's dad take him to the woods yeah, this so this kind of ties into my number three. So okay, let's talk you know, about it. You were talking about her walking in the cold, and that's something I noted pretty quick because she's in her nightgown. She didn't seem to be, like have any like breath, like she did in her room. Mm-hmm. So like we know when she was in her room, she was connected to Henry somehow. He was cold. She was cold. Right. As she's walking through, she's not cold. So I think at this point, Henry's not cold. Wherever Henry is at this point, he's not cold. Oh. So either he is. Sean. Yeah. So I just got is, goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, he's either, he either is inside somewhere else, like inside safe, or he's not in Castle Rock. Like he is somewhere projected somewhere else. And if she feels um, like if he's warm and she feels what he feels, that's why she wasn't cold when she's out there, you know, practically exactly, yeah. just barefooted walking in, and walking in freaking cold ass snow. I'd be like hopping around like, and I don't even know what, like a penguin on drugs or something. I'm trying yeah, to get my you, ass out of that cold. Oof. You and, walk and through that in. snow after being inside. Yeah. It burns. Like uh-uh. it cuts like glass. Yeah. Especially when it's that damn cold outside. I mean, it hurt. Yeah. Like I said, it's not just cold. It, it physically hurts. That's a really good. Maybe that's why. Cause she almost seemed like she was almost trance like, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what's kind of like, well, is is Henry's rage what did this? Now, so the, the part – so I kind of called this Henry's relationship with his father, and you mm-hmm. were kind of alluding to this. It's like, mm-hmm. well, why does dad take him to the woods? And the part that kind of – so when we get to young Henry and young Molly, 
they are the first thing we see is Henry burning a videotape and he says, Fuck you, Dad. Yeah. Now, if it was anything else, like maybe it was like a little league tape or, you know, dad trying to make you play baseball or something like that you didn't want to do, you're like, screw this. In Stephen King's world where lots of bad, creepy things happen, I don't want to guess what was on that videotape. I don't either. Because you see, you know, he is very upset with his father Mm -hmm. and it's not a like, oh my God, my dad's a jerk. It's like, my dad's not a good guy. And Molly invites him to his room and she's kind of telling him like, oh, well, you know, like I feel what you feel. I know what's going on. And he right away too, when she says something about like his dad, he's like, oh, he's not my dad. Like very quickly. So it seems like there's some hostility there, which is mm-hmm. interesting too, because like in the first few episodes, you didn't, you don't really get that from Henry, right? Because he is very upset that his dad's grave was moved. He's very kind of like almost longing for his dad in some way, but he doesn't know what happened. Like he doesn't even actually know his dad. Well, because so if he has of, no memory, like he doesn't even seem to have any memory of prior. Does exactly, he? Yeah. Like even before he disappeared, he seems to just. Like have forgotten everything. It seems maybe I'm wrong on that, but no, that I think that's that's a gist I get too. So it's kind of like if somebody told you stories, like if if you know you had a grandparent who passed away before you were cognitive of you know before you had actual memories, you know you would be living off of all the people saying, "Oh my gosh, your grandpa or your grandma was such a great person," yada yada. So you kind of put them on a pedestal, like, "Oh, I bet they're awesome. I love them." Mm -hmm. But like if this his dad was doing something to him and nobody knew about it, but his dad. He doesn't know that either, so he has no clue that his dad could be a terrible, awful person. And we kind of tie that back to when he was in the church with Molly in her dream sequence. He's like, God forgave me. Well, what God have to forgive you for? Mm. So, oh gosh, so much. I'm just, I'm having like all of these like little um, light bulb moments as we're sitting here talking about this. So we're speculating and they certainly allude to that. It's not just that 11 days that Henry was, was, had been disappeared that he doesn't have any memory of like, he doesn't know where he was. He doesn't know why he was there, has no clue what happened to his dad, but it also seems prior to that. He doesn't know, you know, um, he doesn't have any memories of even prior to his disappearance. Like he, well, he was sharing with that, um, his, his client in the first episode, um, you know, she's like, what's your first memory? And it's something after, um, after he's found um, that song that was playing in Alan Pingborn's car. And so it loop, it makes you believe that he doesn't have any memories at all. So do you think that because like Molly with her gift, not only is she like clued in about the town and the, the, well, maybe she's not the only one because it seems that the warden seems to have a clue about, you know, the town and its curse and whatever else. But Molly has this connection with Henry knows about his relationship, knows what he felt, knows what he was thinking and can read his mind and stuff. She's, do you think she's like going to tell him and clue him in because it's like, he doesn't know. Well, that's so when he first shows up, she, or she's very much like, I I can't talk to this guy. I can't like interact with him. One, I think because she explains like when she's with him that like he's her song Two, I mean, if she knows like the terrible, horrible things that her dad were alluding to happened to him, does she really want to tell him that to open up those potential floodgates? I don't know. I think she's going to have to eventually. I think that the only way, like she's fighting all of this right now, like she's trying to take those drugs to kind of suppress, you know, being able to feel and hear these things. And and then, of course, you know, being around Henry, it just it, it's even worse because I think she has this really strong connection with him. Um, 
I think that in order to get this out of her, like she's just going to have to like purge this. I think she's just going to have to purge it and acknowledge it and just let it out. And that's the only way that she's going to, to like be better, I guess, or to like stop fighting it and just accept it in a way. Yeah. That's what I'm so, kind of getting at. There was a lot of stuff happening in this episode. And I just realized I wrote this down as I was talking about Molly and Henry, their connection when they were younger and kind of talking and I just made the connection now, and I oh, I saw this. Did she ask him, "Do you hear it now?" When she, they were in her room. If she did, I didn't. I didn't hear that. I heard it from Henry's dad when he took him out in the woods. He asked him. That's. I'm sorry. That's where yeah. I heard it. Okay. Yeah. She. I, I, yeah. He says, "Do you hear it now?" Which and, is kind of what the Shawshank prisoner asked him at the very, very end. Yes, that, that he asked him the same question whenever they finally get face-to-face. Do you hear it now? And that's how I feel like all this is... We talked a little bit in the last episode about how all these connections and how everything's like tied together. And what does, how is Warden Lacey tied with Matthew Deaver, Henry's dad, and Alan Pangborn? And you know, this boy, I think being found around the same time, um, this kid, uh, being found around the same time as like Henry or this disappearance all those years ago. And I feel like just all this is connected. And that really kind of brought it home for me when he repeats that same thing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. But that ties kind of into my number two with, uh, or my number three with your number three, which is just kind of Henry's relationship with his father. Yeah. Very interesting. Indeed. Interesting relationship because Henry's an orphan, right? We found that out that he mm-hmm. it wasn't like yeah. he was adopted as a well. I don't know that they really go too far into the age, but he was an orphan. So where did he come from? Where where did Henry come from? Why was he an orphan? And why was it just happened to be a pastor? Yeah, that adopts him. Like you know, is is. And I'm just like, I could be completely off and I'm just totally throwing shit out, you know, and seeing what sticks to the wall here. Um, could Henry, you know, we keep talking about what's the evil. And it, I think it's too obvious for it to be the kid. But what if it was Henry? And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my thought is like um, the prisoner is the good and Henry is the bad and kind of keeping him apart kind of avoids that. But then when they get together, it's kind of like your purpose of good and evil kind of click you're like oh wait i'm actually the devil or i'm evil i'm a demon kind of mm-hmm. like damien to an extent so i think damien was just a kid but things like oh wait i'm the antichrist so that's why all these bad things happen around me right Cause, i mean you look at him like he defends you know people on death row that had done evil things and he's trying to save them now i think he's trying to save like you could look at it as like oh well, he's trying to save people who are wrongly accused but maybe he's trying to save these people because they're just as evil as he is, but he doesn't realize it. Hoo-wee! <laughs> so, so, so much happening and so much speculation and so much theorizing. We could just talk about uh, this yeah. but all that's night long. All, that's, that's what I love about shit because we could throw anything out and it may be right. It's probably wrong, but it's so much fun to speculate. Super you hope, like, if you hit something, you're like, oh, I, that's cool. I thought that was what they would do. And if you're not, they blow you out of the water with something different. Like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. Well, and and what's really super cool, not only just to speculate and have fun with, with all the speculating, is any of it could make any sense at all because it's the universe of Stephen King. And you just yep. – <laughs> anything and everything and nothing makes sense. <laughs> so – 
<laughs> so anyway, that's awesome. So with that being said, uh, let's get into our number two. So my number two is Henry and the kid. We finally get them face to face. Um, finally in this third episode. And I, I really liked this leading up to it, Henry, finally, because he, he's talking about, you know, he's like, your name's on all kinds of lists. This is what Officer Lewinsky, or Zelensky, sorry, was telling him that, you know, you're not getting in there unless it's like an act of God, you know, all your your name's on every every list that we have. Um, and so I, I really like that, you know, him having all those doors opened for him, you know, now he's all of a sudden allowed into the prison after this gets out publicly. Um, so they we finally get them face-to-face. It was good, but it was a little bit of a, just this kid. He's so, it was good. And and Bill Skarsgård is so amazing. Um, So he doesn't say too much. Henry does all the talking. Um, And then he, we, we already kind of mentioned that uh, the kid asked Henry the same thing as his dad. He says, do you hear it now? And then he asked him his age. He said, how many years old are you? Yeah, very odd way to ask that. Yeah. So I'm like, so why why do you think he's asking his age? So Henry was 12 when he disappeared. Henry tells the kid he's 39. So it makes me wonder, because we've already talked about it a little bit, or at least referenced this um, movie and book, um, in It. Could this be like a hibernation thing? Like in It? Like every 27 years something happens? Uh, maybe. Uh, so 91 would have been, would that be 27 years? I don't know, but if he's, if he's 39 now and he was 12 and he disappeared, it's 27 years. I didn't actually think about the years that it, like if it's, um, I guess that would, would be right. Right. He was, it was 91 and it's supposed to be, I guess, 2018. God, don't make me do math. You know, that's not good. Yeah. No, yeah. It'd be 2018 there. So if you went to seven years plus 91 would be 98 plus 20. Yeah. So it'd be 27 years. So it could be, it could be like in the universe of Stephen King that 27 years, every 27 years is just where weirdness happens. I think didn't it, well, the first, it came out in 91. I'm trying to think of when it was set. I think it was set in the eighties though, like 87. What? Well, Oh, I don't remember whenever it was supposed to be actually like taking place versus whenever it was filmed or when it came out. But what was interesting is, and I, and I, gosh, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember reading this whenever the, the new, um, the new it was coming out that when that the new version was released, wasn't it the same exact years as it was in the movie, like yeah, this whole hibern- really, really hibernation close. thing taking place whenever the last one had come out or something like that. Like it was timed out that way. And whether that was on purpose, I don't know, but it was kind of creepy <laughs> to be thinking about like it happened to just hit that cycle of when Pennywise rears his ugly head and eats all the kids in town. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, that was just, I, I really like this whole scene. I love Bill Skarsgård. I really like the actor who's playing Henry Deaver. I really need to write his name down because I think he he does a really good job, and I like him. I think he's he's got a little charming way about him, um, and I you know I just I like him. So I just really like that we finally got this whole interaction. I thought the interaction itself was kind of interesting. You know, Henry just doesn't even have a clue about this kid at all. He's just you know seeing him as a victim and you know, wants to help him because he's been uh, wrongfully imprisoned, basically kidnapped as he, as he says it, not just a wrongful conviction, he's been kidnapped and he wants to help him and also get him a good payday and, you know, for, for his wrongful imprisonment. So, um, I just thought that was all interesting and, um, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to some like more interaction between them for sure. So it's my number two. What you got? Yep. Uh, so my, your number two kind of tied in my number one, which was Henry at Shawshank. So only a couple of things to add on to what you, you mentioned is it was interesting that uh, the Shawshank prisoner, the kid, didn't really understand what the phone was. Mm-hmm. Like it took him a second to get what that is. So I, th- I think that's a very telling that he has been in that prison for a long time, like at a point where like most kids know what a phone is. Like, you know, uh-huh. you get like a two-year-old, they know what a phone is. They're putting it up to their their ears and like trying to talk into it, even like a toy phone, even if it's yeah, not exactly. some that they can actually talk to someone in. Little kids are putting up those those toy phones and going, hello, hello. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he, So, you know, like was this like a legit toddler that he put in this prison? Or, oh, my God. Um, I mean, I guess if you were even at an age of like three or four, if you were stuck in a prison for, you know, 20-plus years, you probably would regress a lot then too. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Henry was kind of coming at him as a lawyer saying like, don't tell anyone your name. Uh, cause the idea here is like, you know, you tell somebody your name, like he's in lawyer mode, you tell somebody your name, they can research that and find like, oh my gosh, you're a murderer. So yeah. you should be here. Um, because the prison really wanted like, Hey, we're going to give him like a million plus bucks. We're going to let him go. No questions asked. Take him out to the border with that money. It's more he'd make in a lifetime. And then, you know, he'd sign this NDA and then just, we'd be done. Um, scars are, uh, the Shawshank prisoner asked about, has it begun? Um, but let's like, well, what has begun? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I thought Henry had a really good line here when he's talking about, he's like, I, I am suggesting we go with the tried and true, go fuck yourself. The Latin, <laughs> the Latin phrase, go fuck yourself. And he's like, but it sounds better in Latin. Everything sounds better in Latin. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was my, that kind of tied into my number one. I like it. And see, then he said, so he's asking him, you know, do you, do you hear it now? Um, he's asking him, how many years old are you? And you know, what was, what was the, Oh, has it begun? So it's like, well, what, what, what has begun? And, and why does it matter how many years have passed or how old he is? And, and asks him if he, you know, do you hear it now? So it's like, that's why it makes me feel like there's like a cycle of something happening in, in Castle Rock. And it, and it just reminds me of, and you know, um, it, and it's dairy, right? Dairy and it. I get all those yeah. damn towns confused, whether they're the the real towns or fake towns in Maine. Um, that's awesome. Oh my goodness, I'm getting all kinds of goosebumps just talking about this all over again. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty creepy. I know. So, okay, so that goes into my. Did we get? Did you get your number two? Yeah. So okay. I'm actually I I'm ready for my notes. So if you want to give okay. your number one, and then we can jump into some notes. Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. So my number one is Molly Strand. And Ooh, yes. she, this was Melanie Linsky. I've, I don't, I cannot sit here and name everything that she's been in, but I've seen her work over the years and I've always really enjoyed what she brings to her different roles and characters. I did see Rose Red back in the day uh, when they had that mini series on air. Feels like a gazillion years ago, but it was probably, I think, somewhere in the nine, maybe not 90s, maybe the 2000s somewhere. Honestly, I'm so sorry if that's wrong, people. Um, you know, alcohol. So I'm going to say, um, <laughs> she was a total standout this episode. She, this was her episode to shine. She was fantastic in this role. And I just want, you know, give her all the applause because she, she knocked this out and I really enjoyed her. She did a great job and I really liked this particular episode. We got more of her in a little bit. What I liked about it is because it, it makes, 
you wonder us, we as an audience, how are we supposed to feel about her? Is she a murderer or was she protecting Henry? So I really like that. It's like, well, we, you know, I don't quite know what to think of her just yet and what, how we're supposed to make out about her. And I, I think that the title of the show, Local Color, refers to her more than the local cable access show, I think. <laughs> I think she's the local color of, of Castle Rock and Castle Rock County. Then also, who or what is destroying her house and why? Yeah, that was, I mean, you see her show up and she went back to the house after her weird local color uh, appearance. I would, I was like, go to a Holiday Inn. Like, don't go back to your house after somebody's broke into it. No kidding. I mean, I've, I'm very fortunate that I, I can I can say that I've never experienced anyone having broken into my home and, and feeling that feeling of your, 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 I mean, your home is your sanctuary, right? And and I've heard people talk about, you know, when, when someone breaks into their home, how it really feels like, you know, your whole world, your your private space has been invaded and you just don't feel safe there anymore. I totally, you know, understand that. Um, I haven't ever had my place breaking into, but I've had a peeping Tom once and that felt very, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I did <laughs> a long time ago. And that was creepy. I mean, that was like a total like invasion and, um, you know, that, that threw me off, you know, cause you just always feel like, Oh, somebody's, you know, uh, theirs or that it's going to happen again or something. So, you know, my little taste of something like that. So yeah, I'm like, why is she still going back there? It's like, I don't know if, you know, she, she seemed a little off put by it, but yet kind of took it in stride at the same time. Like she's just more aggravated at having to clean up the mess. She didn't seem too concerned, you know, about, about, that happening or whatever. So, um, and then of course we had her, you mentioned her, uh, when she was actually on local color, she finally gets her, you know, time in front of the camera and gets her opportunity. And she looked like she was doing so well because she was, like you said, she was practicing in the mirror and she was talking to uh, Jackie Torrance, you know, kind of talking to her about it. She's doing her little model, doing her little gazebo and stuff. And it sounded like she had that shit nailed. Like she knew exactly what she was going to say and how she was going to say it. And you were so excited for her, you know, to do this. And then she has her moment and she looks like she's going to pass out. And so I really like, you know, they, you've got the, the host and I don't know what his name was. He says, some folks might question whether Castle Rock requires such a radical transformation. Now, what would you say to neighbors who, well, like things the way that they are? She starts hearing all, all of those voices, um, you know, cause Henry's in front of her. So she starts hearing all of these voices and we know that him being in, you know, uh, so close to her, she's kind of wigging out here and, uh, she says, I tell him to wake the fuck up. <laughs> She's like, there's a young man right now in a cell at Shawshank State Prison whose constitutional due process was never respected, who was locked in a tiger cage, no trial, no arrest. And this is just the latest in a pattern of abuses by our local authorities that stretches back decades. So yes, I think Castle Rock is ready for a little change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where you, like the, the host is kind of like, oh, well, uh, the look next week face. we have m- famous <laughs> Castle Rock magician. Um, I know. See you next week. Bye. That poor guy who was just like, uh, cut commercial something, <laughs> you know, um, that, that was priceless. That guy did a, a really great shocked look on his face. That's for sure. So that was a really great moment. I really love that. She, she was absolutely fantastic. Um, Melanie Linsky folks. She's great. And we talked a little bit about her vision at the end, whenever she sees Matthew, Matthew Deaver. So it's like, 
what he keeps saying to her, and I have this written down, he, he, this, the dream sequence that you mentioned, he says it the entire, um, phrase. And then he says it a little bit there at the end. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Um, that might be a little bit paraphrasing because I think I grabbed from there. There's so many different versions of these Bible verses. This is from Corinthians oh, yeah. uh, chapter 15 verses 51 to 52. Um, I think I grabbed like an international version so that might not be verbatim exactly what he said. That's what I grabbed. Um, but so we keep hearing over again, they're asking Henry's dad and the kid at Shawshank is asking him, do you hear it now? Do you think they mean the trumpet? Ooh, that is a really good, good pull. Yeah. The trumpet. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Like all these people like her and uh, the Shawshank prisoner, they're hearing the trumpet being called now. Yeah, that's that's oof. Yeah, and yeah, because the end time Stephen King universe, like that would be that'd be interesting. I know. So it's like, so we get this vision again, and he keeps repeating this. He keeps repeating this. Behold, I tell you a mystery, and the trumpet sounding, and they're asking him, "Do you hear this now?" It's like is something waking up in Castle Rock, like in this cycle, or is it because she's around Henry again that she keeps seeing these visions? Because she off to this guy, right? So is it like? you know, because she's around Henry again, then it's, it's, this is why she's seeing these visions and seeing these things. Or is it something like a premonition of something that's going to be happening? Because it says, and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Just freaking creepy. And if I were her, I would have slept in that damn bathroom all night long. It would not have come out until the light of day. That is for sure. Um, unlike her when she comes back out that damn bathroom so that was creepy this whole thing's got me freaky um <laughs> and i i have goosebumps even just talking about it this has me just on the edge of my seat so i don't know that's what i put together i have no idea i could just be grasping at straws here but that's what i've got and that's my number one i like it i think that's a really good call about the trumpets um, i remember when i took uh like Western religious traditions or something like that in college. Mm -hmm. That was a topic we talked about, about the the trumpet and the, like the four. Uh, oh, the four horsemen. Horsemen and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It was just always the end really days. intriguing. Oh, yeah. God, yes. Um, when I used so. to read the Bible quite frequently for some, this is how freaking, I, I talk all the time about how morbid I am and how dark and twisty. I, Revelations was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Bible's got some weird stuff. Like, you know, you go through it. <laughs> Give me some book of revelations, man. I used to read that shit all the time at the end of days. I don't know. God. I think uh, Kevin Smith calls it like the very first comic book. Because <laughs> of some of like the stat stories of good versus evil and, you know, just all the stuff that's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Okay. So let's get into our notes. I know you're, you've got to have some good stuff. So let's, let's hear, I'm going to let you go first with your notes. Yeah, so uh, I got quite a few different things that came up that I thought was interesting. So one of the main ones, uh, and there's not much on this specific piece, but it's noted when Henry goes in and talks to the guard to bail out uh, Molly, the the guy there, the bailiff or whatever he'd be called, he basically says, that, like, you know, everybody works at Shawshank. Like, mm -hmm. everybody works there somehow. Yep. So you're definitely getting, like, this town, as crappy as it is and as, you know, horrible as it is, the only thing we have is Shawshank Prison. Yeah. So it kind of gives that whole, like, you take that away, this town completely dies. Um, you know, there, there a lot of stories, I think it kind of has that feeling of like, oh, well, this is the only thing that keeps people here, and Shawshank is kind of that thing. 
Um, a funny note, uh, when Molly was coming out of the prison, she talked about her roommate, the prostitute, who could <laughs> unhinge her jaw like a python. Uh, I giggled a little bit at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is when Henry got the phone call from Shawshank, uh, the name on it was maybe Shawshank Prison. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting. So uh, when he gets called into Shawshank, it was really interesting that the second visit with the new warden went a little bit different. She was a little bit more or less uh, confrontational. She was yeah. a little bit more welcoming. Very friendly, wasn't like, she? Yeah. It's like, oh, we got off on the wrong foot. It's kind of like that old uh, toothpaste commercial. And he goes through it, lets her do her spiel. He's like, you know what? I think I want to see my my client. Um, and by the way, it was toothpaste, not or it was dandruff, dandruff shampoo, uh, shampoo, not toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. So kind of a nice little dig, like, hey, you you should know who you're messing with. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see some. Um, we got to see. Uh, I don't think they mentioned the kid's name, or I can't remember it, her original drug dealer. They're making s'mores with a blowtorch. Yeah. Which I'm a huge fan of s'mores. So if you got to get them any way you can. That's a good way to do it. Is um, it? My, that doesn't leave I've a never, aftertaste or something from uh, the blowtorch? I don't know. My wife and I, when I was dating her, she had a gas stove. Mm-hmm. So we would uh, cook our s'mores over that, which would, yeah. I think would be fairly similar. But it's like natural gas, not like propane. Isn't that what those That's little yeah. torches run off? Is is those little mini like propane tanks? Yeah. So, so it may not have as good of a taste like you were saying. I've never done it, so I don't know. But And that's yeah. what kind of – that struck me as a very kind of – you know, druggy thing to do, but like, oh, and why do you have a blowtorch? Like, why are you carrying that around? That's uh, true. I did. I, I thought of that. I was like, why do you just randomly have this blowtorch in the middle <laughs> of this parking lot or off to the side of this parking lot, wherever they're at? Yeah. Um, you know, making s'mores. It was kind of random. Uh, I think, you know, again, going back to the guy that was uh, the bailiff or whoever it was when they're talking, uh, Henry was asking about the old warden, Warden Lacey's car. You know, like, did you find anything? And the guy, like, it's very recent that this happened. This guy has very crude humor about it. Yeah. He says, oh, just a couple gallons of water and we found two trout. Yeah. That's what was in his car. It's like, wow, like that's... That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> this man committed suicide and you're just casually talking about, oh, yeah, and about 39 gallons of water and a couple trout. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. that's harsh. A uh, um, couple good notes about Molly. So when she was talking about... Um, downtown Castle Rock. She put a gazebo down there because uh, the Torrance girl asked about it. And she said, well, every rev- or every uh, revitalized downtown needs a gazebo. Uh, and there's there was a little bit of an Easter egg, I think, when she's lo- walking out. Did you see her sign? It was Molly Strand sales rep, live like a king. Oh, I did see that, yeah. Do you think that's... Uh, got, got that, that was time? Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Jacqueline Torrance. Okay. So the only time I've seen her that I can recall is when she sat down and talked with Henry, and then when she just randomly shows up and is talking with Molly. So, you know, she she helped her carry stuff out, but I feel like there's something with this character mm-hmm. because I haven't seen her interact with anybody else. She was there with the warden. I'm trying to remember if she talked to the warden or not. She might have. But I just kind of get some alarm bells with this character. Like, you know, she's just been sprinkled in enough to be like, you think it's just, you know, a, an extra almost. But is there more to her? I think um, with a name like Jackie Torrance, uh, there's probably more to her. Yeah. And she asked the question. So, like, uh, when she's at um, Molly's house, she goes to the basement. And she's like, you know, cool murder basement, uh, which was kind of dark humor. <laughs> I like it. Were f- 
Yeah, and if they were friends, I would expect her to maybe have seen it before. Uh, but she's very curious about like if Henry actually killed his father. So she's she asked, you know, did he actually you know whack his father? So she's trying to figure out. Very obsessed because she was talking to Henry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and my last big note is kind of around the Shawshank prisoner when he's eating alone. Um, <laughs> he uh, he throws all of his food off. We find out the only thing he's eating is Wonder Bread. <laughs> we get a really interesting conversation between the two guards because the one guard's talking about is like, oh, you know what? I'm going to buy an Xbox. I'm going to buy a pound of weed with my bonus. And our good guard friend realizes like, listen, dude, that's not a bonus. That's a bribe. Mm-hmm. So this Shawshank prison is on complete kind of, uh, you know, PR control to make sure nothing bad gets out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we realize that they're starting to call him Nick uh, for Nick Cage because he was in a cage. Again, <laughs> very dark humor for yes. you know this guy. Um, we see that like at the end of this little scene, he's just staring at Lacey's picture with like in like beady, scary eyes, like something like just very unsettling. It was. Uh, and the last thing I'll talk about, it's it's kind of sad to an extent, but when our, our good guard friend is talking with Henry, he kind of mentions, he's like, you know, you know, when I get out of this, like, you know, I need to find something to do good with my life almost. He's like, you know, hey, how long does it take to be a lawyer? And, you know, like, do you think you could write me a recommendation? And Henry kind of laughs at it, like thinking he's joking almost, and then realizes like, oh, you're, you're serious. And I, a really like small scene, but it's very much kind of like, you know, Zelensky's kind of like, oh, I, I, I guess I can't do that, can I? Because I'm from Castle Rock. Very demoralizing kind of feel that I got from that scene. Yeah, I, I felt really bad for him in that scene. I was like, oh, gosh, Henry, you kind of laughed at the poor guy. He's talking about, you know, he's interested in the law. He wants to like better himself and get out of the prison that he's working in and, you know, make a better life for him and his family. And you're laughing at him. Yeah. Like at least humor him, whether you really think he can or not. Just be like, sure, dude, I'll write you a letter, you know, go for it. Live your dream. Um, but he, he didn't even give him that. So that, that was a little bit of a sad moment there. Awesome. But, but yeah, that's all the notes I had. Did you have any, uh, notes that I missed? I, well, let's see. You, you mentioned, uh, just the silliest things. So not you mentioned the silliest things. I'm just looking at my notes and going, Oh, I'm, I've, I have the silliest things written down here. Um, so you talked about the food and, and how he has these, this weird habit. So I was like, why did he scrape? Why did he have to scrape it off of his plate? I wonder, I mean, he could have just not eaten it, but I don't know if this was just to show some sort of, um, like he has a strange aversion to it. Like, it's not just that he didn't want to eat it and just ignored it. He has this aversion to it. Like he has to get it off of his plate, like an OCD kind of thing or something. And so he, he's, yes, as you mentioned, he's just eating the Wonder Bread. He folds it and he's eating it. So I wonder, gosh, is that the only thing that he had? Is that the only thing that he likes what the warden fed him? I don't know. Was it like a legit bread and water diet, like in a prison? So it made me wonder um, if you had any weird quirky eating habits that, that we should know about. Do you do anything weird like that? Ooh, uh, so the weirdest thing, I haven't done this in a long time, but I uh, kind of grew up on frozen pizza. Yeah, uh, who did my, my mom wasn't like a big cook. Um, she she can cook some things fairly well, but, you know, mm-hmm. like she just wasn't a great cook. Um, 
She's great at other things, just cooking's not not in her her wheelhouse. So I grew that. up on frozen pizza, and I loved bread, like love love bread. Mm-hmm. So what I would do, and this is probably gross, I haven't done it <laughs> since I was a kid, but I would take like four pieces of white bread or wheat bread, whatever we had. I would scoop the top of my pizza, so the cheese and the the sausage or whatever I had, and made like a pizza sandwich. And then, like, huh. scrape the rest of the uh, pizza sauce off, eat the, you know, pizza sandwich I made, and then eat the crust of the pizza. Um, Interesting. I think when I stopped was because my mom's like, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. It's good. She's like, you realize that, like, the crust is essentially bread, too. I was like, oh, I guess. But this is good, too. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's the weirdest eating habit thing I have, I think. And I have again, I haven't done that for a while. So uh, do, do you have any weird habits that we need to know about? Well, I couldn't really think of anything too current that I do. I'm sure there are. I have plenty of really weird things. I, I just I'm a weird person. So there, there's probably lots of things. But because this scene involved bread, um, it reminded me as a kid uh, when we were at school, and I don't do this now because I don't really eat a lot of bread now, so I definitely don't do this with bread today. But whenever I was a kid in elementary school, um, I think it was like beef stew day or something, and they'd give you a slice of white bread with your beef stew and whatever else we had on the tray for lunch or whatever. But I would, I we would all be sitting around the table and. Whenever I would get to the point of eating my bread, I wouldn't just like pick up the bread and eat it or dip it in my beef stew or just anything like that. I had to tear the edges off. I had to tear off the crust and set it off to the side on my lunch plate. (laughs) You know, those lovely square trays. And then I would take my like the middle part of the white, the white bread, and then I would start to kind of fold it and mold it and then roll it into a dough ball (laughs) and then and then eat it (laughs) like that. And then That's I would eat the terrible. crust. It's not I've terrible, lot, but it's weird. I've seen a lot of weirder things in like high school lunchroom. Yeah, so. this is, oh, definitely. This is not the weirdest thing I've probably ever done, but it just reminded me of whenever he removes the bologna from a sandwich and he folds it. I also, I do like to, if I ever do get a craving for a sandwich, like I said, I don't really eat a lot of bread, but there are times and moments that I'm like, I have to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I like to, if I have any type of sandwich, if I do happen to have a sandwich and eat bread, um, I like to squish my bread together. I like to like squish it and it has to be like like flat. Super flat. I gotcha. Yeah. It can't be just like fluffy white bread or bread. It has Mm. to be squished and flat. I like to flatten it out. So that's my, maybe something kind of weird that I I don't know. It's not weird, weird. Um, but it's just a little oddball thing that I used to do and get looks, looks for, um, I like, I like French fries on my burgers too. Oh, that, oh yeah. If you get like Dairy Queen burgers, those are the best to do that on. Yeah. You have to put French fries on your burger. Yeah. That's a good call. So, yeah. So anyway, that just made me curious. I was like, oh, we've all got a little weird quirky thing that we did with food, right? Or that would, you know, would make people go, what the hell are you doing? Um, I think so. The other weird thing that I've done is, uh, at Pizza Hut with the buffet, um, I'll do cottage cheese on my pizza. It's actually pretty (gasps) good. Oh, Sean. Oh, yeah, no. it's good. No. It, try it. Try it just once. Why would I do that to pizza? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's like as as bad as pineapple on your pizza. <laughs> no. Oh, Sean. I don't know. I'm gonna just forget that you said that. <laughs> don't don't do that to your pizza. Um, okay. 
that's people are probably tired of hearing us talking about our weird food habits. So, like, now I'm hungry and not for what you're talking about. I know. About. I know. I definitely don't want any cottage cheese pizza, but now I'm just hungry. <laughs> um, so another little thing, another note that I, I had just wrote down, and this has nothing to do with the story. It just kind of bugged the shit out of me. And any ladies that are listening would like to chime in as well. What the hell was that studio hairdresser doing to Molly's hair? Because that is... <laughs> She was not like she's supposed to be like, I guess, getting her, you know, TV ready and fixing her hair and probably putting a little makeup on her and stuff. I don't know what the hell she was doing. I thought, well, maybe she's trying to work out some knots in her hair or something because she had just been in this like prison fight with that prostitute. (laughs) So maybe her hair, her hair didn't look that bad. It looked a little like she'd slept poorly all night and her hair was a little messy but i was like what the hell is she doing i think she made it look worse it just it just bugged me it's totally like shallow and makes no difference at all to the story just bugged the shit out of me because they focused on it for so long and it just stood out to me um one other comment that i just want to make i think this show has some really great female characters, Molly Strand, Jackie Torrance, and Ruth Deaver. I love them all. I think they're really all great characters, strong characters, and I think they really stand out. And uh, the actresses that are playing them really do stand out. So I just wanted to comment about them. And one other little thing that I wanted to mention, this isn't necessarily my note, but something that I picked up on um, through social media, Stephen King on his Twitter, if you folks have not seen it, um, he tweeted out, I think it was yesterday or the day before, he says, Castle Rock is really good. Each episode better than the last, but put all that Easter egg stuff aside and just enjoy it on its own terms. The cast is incandescent and they support a story worth telling. So I really like that. I wonder cool. if, if uh, some folks, I haven't looked too much in social media on this. I don't know if people are so like looking for the Easter eggs and all the different tie-ins to all of the Stephen King stories and the Stephen King universe that it's, it's kind of removing them from the story itself. Like you're, that's all that you're focused on is, you know, everything that you can pick up about these things and you're, you're missing the whole damn story to begin with. But I just thought that was interesting. So take it from the man himself. Try not to worry too much about the whole universe. Just enjoy the story. That's all I yeah, got. I could see that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like people who go to like concerts and they'll uh, record the concert with their smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a show where Rob Zombie saw that and he got mad. He's like, "You can see a bunch of shitty ass videos on YouTube. Like, just <laughs> enjoy the show." Yeah, it's changed a lot, that's for sure. And I mean, I yeah. grew up in an era before there were cell phones and social media, and you know, when you went to a concert, you 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 took it in, you enjoyed every single moment. And I do have to kind of. You know, I'm not one to record the entire concert while I'm there. I do like to snap a couple of pictures for memories. Um, you know, if I'm there with my kid, because her and I love to go to concerts together, we'll, you know, snap a couple of pics prior to the concert starting. A um, couple of pics when our people are up there and then my phone goes in my pocket and pretty much stays in there the entire time. Um, unless I need a flashlight uh, for some reason, you know, instead of the the lighters, you know, yeah. we do the... <laughs> you got to break out the cell phone flashlight now for those ballots. Because you can't take lighters in anymore. And I don't smoke anymore like I used to back in the day. So I don't have a lighter on me. So, yeah, enjoy the show, folks. Um, Same goes for Castle Rock. Anyway, so if that concludes our notes, that's going to take us into our news for the evening. And this comes from Deadline.com. So I think 
I think, or at least I hope everyone finds this interesting because I did. So six months after the first season of Altered Carbon was released on Netflix, the sci-fi series has been renewed for an eight season, eight episode, sorry, not eight season, eight episode second season with some big changes. So Anthony Mackie, um, who if you might know him from Captain America, um, has been cast as the lead Takeshi Kovach, a role originated by Joel Kinnaman in season one. Uh, behind the scenes, Allison Shapker is joining the series as executive producer and will serve as co-showrunner alongside uh, creator, executive producer Leita Calgridis, who was showrunner on season one. Uh, the recasting of the Takeshi Kovach role was expected in the world of Alter Carbon, uh, spoiler alert, which is based on the science fiction novels by Richard K. Morgan. The journey of Takeshi Kovach spans hundreds of years, many different bodies and planets. Because of the structure of the uh, books, each taking place in a different time frame at a different location, Kinnaman, as well as the majority of the cast, had one-year deals. Mackie will be the new embodiment of Kovach as the series continues to delve into the themes of identity, mortality, and the human soul across across longer periods of times and different worlds throughout the universe. And we covered Alter Carbon season one and that, that I like, I love uh, Anthony Mackie. I think he's a really good actor. So I'm really excited for mm-hmm. this. And Alter Carbon set up great for that because you can get like new people in every year or every couple seasons and kind of get like new life into it and like new energy. And like, that's a show that could run for a long time. Yeah. So I thought I kind of been waiting and I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know if no news is good news because we, you know, didn't hear anything while um, or soon after it had been released. And so it took six months for them to finally announce that uh, second season. So big news. Uh, not only did we get the renewal uh, for season two, but then we have a casting update for Takeshi. So awesome. So our next bit of story is a little bit of trivia, and it's uh, somebody I followed for a long time, Mark Bernardin. He is on Kevin Smith's and his podcast, Fat Man on Batman. He's a comic writer and a pop culturist, left his position as entertainment editor of the Los Angeles Times to be a writer on the series. Uh, I thought that dude, was interesting. Yeah, very well deserved. Uh, I listened to him a lot on the Fat Man on Batman podcast, and he's a like a really good writer. Like they kind of like talk about different pop culture, like movies, TV shows, and they kind of like interject, like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if he did this? Wouldn't it be cool if they did that? Like they should do this." And all of his ideas are really, really good. I'm excited to see the episode that he gets a writing credit for. Mm-hmm. I am too. And and it, this wasn't the only, um, I think this was the last thing that he he had done, as it said, that he left to be a writer on the series. He's He has lots of writing credits um, and, and things that he's done on his resume, and it's pretty impressive. So I just thought that was interesting because I thought, dude, he totally just left that to do this job on this um, show, which, hell, who wouldn't? I mean, yeah, this is kind sure. of a once in a lifetime thing, right? So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting because I know lots of people probably know who he is and maybe weren't sure that that happened. So now we move into our listener feedback, our letters from Shawshank Prison. Uh, we're so sorry you're there. So as a consolation, we're going to read your read your letters. So yep. these are all the letters uh to the dads or from the dads that are in from the, from all the dads at Shawshank, right? Sorry for the females that wrote in, but anyway, the first one that we have is from Maureen Favo. Uh, Melanie Linsky owns episode three. 
Just watched episode four, Something Strange But Very Summer Vacation, about watching Stephen King on a summer morning. Hot here in Texas, and during August, we stay inside. FYI, episode four felt like a filler history ep until it wasn't. Ooh, a little teaser she's giving us Mm. for episode four. So I'm so anxious to catch up. Doug Fix says, good idea to change to a supernatural thriller show instead of the sci-fi stuff from Alter Carbon and Lost in Space. And you know what? I am in. I am committed. I am on bended knee with a ring, joint bank account, matching tattoos, and save the date postcards committed. Great choice, Rima and Sean. Love all the shout outs to King's novels and movies. I think the mouse in episode one was for the Green Mile 2. Hulu is hell yeah. Was that a proposal? I think so. I think he wants to be like our uh, our pod husband. Okay. Why not? We, I'm, I'm in if he's going to take can... us on a honeymoon. You know what? I'm all in for an all-inclusive trip. So, yeah, Doug, let us know. We can certainly um, make this inclusive, right, Sean? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Next one is from Sheldon Scott. He says, I loved episode three. Molly Strand is my favorite character to watch so far. We get to find out about her empathetic paranormal powers a bit more. We now know she can read people's thoughts, but what else can she do? Does she have the shine? I think she does, Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Um, her and Henry seem to have a strong connection. The scene where Henry Deaver clenched his fist, she did as well. She obviously knows what happened to Henry for 11 days or was there with him. More on that theory in a bit. Henry Deaver's red hoodie seems to be important, if not symbolic, so far in the story. We see it numerous times. Molly has or has it in storage and can only wear it for a short period of time. Is this hoodie a powerful talisman? Hint, hint. Hey, I got you there, Sheldon. I do. And was it really Molly that killed Matthew Deaver? Or was it Henry and Molly's body? Ooh. Ooh. She was wearing that same red hoodie pulled over her head, just how Henry likes to wear it. Which brings me to my crazy uh, talisman fan theory. What if Molly and Henry together are able to cross over into the territories? I think for those 11 missing days, Henry was there, warm and safe. But Molly could still sense and feel Henry, possibly by having the red hoodie. We see in many Stephen King novels, people cross over into different worlds or realities. The talisman, the dark tower, Lucy's story, etc., but maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. I loved the talisman. Thanks to both of you doing the podcast. This is a great series to discuss. I agree. It's a great series. I'm loving it. Oh my gosh, Sheldon, please don't hate me. I have not yet read the talisman, but I know people that have and are so angry at me that I have not yet read it. Sean, did you read the talisman? I have not. Maybe that will have to be a, uh, a strange indeed book club book. There you go. Let's, oh shit, another thing for me to organize. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to try to add it to my list and uh, don't hold me to that, folks. But yeah, um, I, I, Sheldon, you might have to clue me in a little bit more. I'm okay. You don't have to spoil me too much, but I might need a little bit more about that. I do know that there's a boy named Jake and there's a boy named Jake in the Dark Tower series. So at least I'm almost about 99% of that. I could be wrong. So I know that there's different ties to that. And I've heard really great things about the talisman. There's also a sequel to that book as well. And I can't at the moment think of it, but I've heard great things. I like that so much. Thanks, Sheldon. All right. And we got an email. So I'm new to your podcast, having just found you with Castle Rock. Well, thanks for finding us. Yeah. We're, we're the podcast that's not on the map. <laughs> oh, I like that. We should use that tagline. <laughs> 
Uh, I was enjoying it well enough, and then you took it over the top with Rima's proclamation of Eye of the Tiger as the number one best king book. That's right. I am a committed listener for sure now, as you clearly have excellent taste and a deep passion for Stephen King. That is one of my favorite books of all time, much less just Stephen King. I was introduced to King by my dad, and he wisely directed me to Dragon, and I have been hooked ever since. My dad passed away several years ago, and I miss being able to dissect Castle Rock with him as I did Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Dragon. (laughs) Eye of the Dragon, sorry. sorry. Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Rocky on the mind. Um, I was thrilled to learn from you, you of the reflection of King's own experience with Eye of the Dragon, written into the author's character in Misery, and that this universe is part of Dark Tower. Looking forward to listening much more, Kelly. Well, thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. And we're so glad that you found us and that you're having a good time with all of this. Sorry to hear about your dad, but he sounds pretty awesome uh, since he um, introduced you to Eyes of the Dragon. Oh, my God. Um, such a great book. Sean, you're going to... That's it. That's your. That's your winter... That's on your winter reading list. Well, um, when Dave takes us on our uh, all-inclusive honeymoon, I'll make sure to read that in our other book. Right. Or get it in, um, hey, an audio. People love those audio books, right? I don't know yeah, if you do sure. those. I can't do it. I'm, I'm too ADD. I cannot do audiobook. I'm, I'm totally messed up. Um, but thank you, Kelly, so much. I, I'm, I'm glad that you dig us. I dig your email. Keep writing in. Um, we also have a voicemail. You guys know I love my voicemails, uh, so you guys keep sending them in. This one is from Mark. Kirkman. Hi, Rima. Hi, Sean. Uh, it's Mark Kirkman here. Just wanted to say hi, and oh my god, your podcast is awesome. I love to listen to it. I've um, been a big fan of Stephen King since, oh my god, since I was like 13, and I'm reading all the books. Uh, oh my god, you know, Night Shift, you know, The Skeleton Crew, The Langoliers, Different Seasons, The Running Man, everything. Uh, when Castle Rock became such a new device for them to incorporate everything in King into this world and into a new story, which is a new show, which you guys are podcasting about, I was so into it. I am still into it, and I look forward to listening to you guys more. The first episode I loved, we had Melanie Linsk, uh... She started her career in a movie called Heavenly Creatures. And that was done by Peter Jackson. And Peter Jackson went on to do great things like Lord of the Rings and King Kong, the remake, which was awesome. And uh, having her in the show is amazing because I loved her with uh, Two and a Half Men. You know, uh, she... Got rid of her accent to be in Two and a Half Men, and I think she does a great American accent. The characters in this show are amazing. I'm starting to delve into the world of Castle Rock when it comes to this uh, this series. And uh, a lot of it started from Mark Bernard, uh, who is a writer who I appreciate, and he's a great writer. So I'm I'm glad that he was part of this. Uh, I look forward to more episodes. Uh, just a little tidbit. The song that uh, she actually listens to when she sees Henry Deaver getting off the bus while she's driving off is called Spinal Remains by the Misfits. I look forward to more podcasts and listening to your thoughts on the actual 
show itself, and I will continue listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Mark, for that awesome voicemail as always guys please remember that you can if you i don't know about other phones but on the apple iphone you've got that super cool voice memo app you can record your message if you don't like it you can delete it record it again email it to us Um, i'd love to hear what you guys have to say you guys have been so amazing with your feedback and um i i love that you guys are digging not just stephen king but castle rock and you're you know digging it with us keep keep sending in your feedback. We, I, I think there's so much to dissect about the show that I think that there's a lot to cover and I want to hear what you guys have to say. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks everybody. This is super awesome getting all this feedback for the show and we can just see the excitement for it. So keep yeah, it coming. It, it totally pumps me up. I love it. I, 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 when, when people share my passion, when, when I'm not the only one that's excited <laughs> about this, <laughs> when, when people are sharing in my excitement, it just makes me so more pumped up. So thank you guys. I totally feed off that energy and I love it. Thank you. All right, so this coming Wednesday, uh, yeah, so you're getting two episodes in a week. Again, we will be reviewing the fourth episode of Castle Rock titled The Box. The details on this is Henry prepares for his day in court. A coffin arrives in Castle Rock. Ooh, that does not sound good at all. Yeah. Well, we are really excited for you to travel to Castle Rock with us, if you dare. Uh, while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts on podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any other great podcastica podcast on Apple Podcast. Yes, and make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, if you don't get enough of me here, get a little bit more of me there. Can't ever get enough of you, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's our show. Episode 49, Local Color. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Kelly Hawthorne is strange indeed.